This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey guys, what's up? Kevin Jones, founder of Blue Wire. Thanks for listening to this podcast. Do me a favor, send it to one of your friends. We're growing this network, grassroots style. It takes everyone. You're a part of our team if you send this to one of your friends. All right, enjoy this podcast and appreciate your support. Welcome to an energy depleted episode nine of the Clip City podcast. I'm your host, Jovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. I don't know if you could tell from my voice, from my energy level, it is lower than usual because I am running on one and a half hours of sleep. And why, you might ask, am I running on one and a half hours of sleep? Well, the Clippers just pulled off the greatest comeback in NBA playoff history. And because the playoffs are inherently more valuable than the regular season and more important, they probably just pulled off the greatest comeback in NBA history, period. And I was there last night at Oracle. I witnessed history. I witnessed, I, 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 like improbable doesn't even do it justice. Uh, unlikely doesn't even do it justice. Uh, as ESPN said, their their game probability you know, statistic gave the Clippers a 0.01, not even 0.1, a 0.01% chance of winning this game after they're down 31 in the middle of the third. They're down 94 63 with about 724 remaining i want to say and from that point they outscored the warriors 72 to 37 which you know just take away the let's take everything away everything else for a second okay take away the win take away you know landry shot take away pat's defense and uh take away you know shea's play down the stretch and, and trez and gallo and Take all that away for a second. Just let's think about this. 72 to 37. They outscored the Warriors by 35 points. If they had a 72-37 a lead in the third and you turned on that game, you'd probably be freaking out. You would not believe it was real. You would think, you know, half the Warriors team got injured. Like they dominated the warriors like that that's the craziest thing to me was that you know even a 10 point comeback in oracle it w- would be insane because you know the war the warriors heading into this game were 40 and 6 under steve kerr uh in the playoffs at home and it's just like they're they're so or I don't remember if that's that was under Steve Kerr or or total uh, maybe I don't know I think it's under Steve Kerr but but anyway point being like the Warriors are so dominant at home you know that that's been their thing they've they've always been you know even when they were bad they were like a hard home team because the crowd was so good but ever since they've been good you know it's it's Oracle it's Roracle 
the the crowd loves Steph. They feed off of him. It's as loud as basically any arena in the league. And you know they they have their home court hasn't been as good the last couple of years, but for the most part, like when when that crowd is going, when when they're rolling, like it, it's as good as any crowd. It, and and it, I I think it's actually better than any crowd just because it you know they feed off that crowd more than I think any other team does. You know the, the Clippers this season I, I think have actually fed off their crowd a lot, but really like the Warriors have a special relationship with their crowd and and the way it kind of influences their play and their game. So, you know, the fact that the Clippers you know, pulled off a win like that in the playoffs against the Warriors when, when they had such a dominant commanding league, like 31-point lead, e- even a 31-point comeback against the Cavs or the Knicks or the Suns would be improbable. Like you would, if you said one of those teams was, was up on the Clippers or, or up on whoever, you know, pick a team with, you know, midway through the third quarter, you would not believe that that team would come back, you know, and to do that against Goliath, to do that against Thanos, to do that against, you know, the big bad wolf, uh, the two time defending champs, you know, won three of the last four titles to do that against them. That that's special. You know, that was a, you know, I, I tweeted out last night. That was as special of a game as I've ever covered because of that fact. Like I, you know, taking, taking away the fact that I covered the Clippers and the fact that, the, the further they advance in the playoffs, you know, the more playoff games I get to go to, uh, taking away that, you know, selfishly rooting interest, I, I guess, to, to some extent, like I win history. Like the, the Warriors are a historic team. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know if they'll be ever viewed as, as fondly as MJ's bulls, but I think, you know, that's a, it's going to be 20 years from now. I'll get to say, Hey, I, I saw the Warriors in a playoff series, you know, and it's not my first time. It's my second time. It's actually my third time seeing them um, or covering them in a playoff series. But, you know, and, and I think that that's, I know Clipper fans don't love hearing that, but like that, they're a historic team. This is a historic stretch. Like they're most likely going to win their, their fourth title in five years. And even if they don't win the title, three titles in five years is, is still crazy. So, you know, this Warriors team, you know, it, it is a incredible feat that the Clippers pulled this off uh, against them. You know, if it was against like Denver or or Portland or or even Houston, like you know, it's still incredible, but it, it's it's a little believable because you know you you just think, oh, okay, well, that team's beatable. Like they're they're not invincible. They're not unstoppable. They don't have four all stars. They don't have you know five former all stars. They don't have you know potentially five or six hall of famers like that team's beatable but then you, you play the warriors and and you, you they have that that feeling of invincibility uh, you know invincibility you've seen them beat team you know beat so, that, that was the thing even with the comeback was like when the, when the clippers were rallying the warriors kept responding and and the clippers couldn't get it to 10 you know they kept getting it to 12 they kept getting it to 14 and the warriors would push back you know a basket a three whatever and, and then once they got it to single digits they couldn't get it to like they couldn't get it past like four or five. And it was like, they'd get it to four or five. KD got a dunk. They get it to four or five. You know, someone hits a three, four or five, someone gets free throws. And it was like, you, you just felt like, even though they were playing so well and, and it seemed like the momentum had, had so shifted in their favor because they're on the road, because it's the playoffs, because it's a one, eight matchup, because it's the Warriors, even with the Clippers history of this season of coming back, I still was skeptical. I, I was like, you know, this is going to be a nice moral victory. They're going to lose this game. It's going to be close at least. I'm going to have some stuff to write about for game three. And, you know, we'll go from there. But 
they pulled it off. And I think there are so many factors that went into it. Lou Williams in the second half was brilliant. He hit so many clutch shots. He was so big. Like Lou had a bad first half. Like I, I you know, I, I kind of tweeted about it a little bit. Like he, he was throwing passes, just misguided, really sloppy, bad turnovers. Uh, he took some bad shots. They, they were taking him out of his game. They really focused in on Lou in the first half, and, and I thought they did a good job on him. Uh, Trez was really the only one who I, I felt had a good first half. And, and, you know, Pat kind of came in towards the end of the second quarter and, and scored a little bit. But I felt like Trez was really the, the best clipper in that first half, the, the one keeping them in the game. The problem was they were down 23 at halftime, and it just felt like the game was over. And really the, the Clippers' only shot would be narrowing that deficit right in the beginning of the third quarter. Except when the third quarter started, the Warriors stretched that lead out from 23 to 31 over the first six minutes of that third quarter. And at that point, down 31, 19 and a half minutes left in Oracle against the Warriors. Again, like it's just so, you know, it's just so unfathomable that, that they could come back from that. Like, no, it's, you know, it's not, it's not even like a, a Clippers thing. It's just like any team, like I, I you know, you know, the Bucks, the, the Rockets, the, the Raptors who pick, pick whatever team you want in the Clippers spot. If any of those teams even came back against Golden State or immune against anyone, like I said, like it, it's just so hard to come back from that big of a deficit. So many things have to go right for you. So many things have to go wrong for the other team. I thought the Warriors had a lot of self-inflicted stuff, took a lot of bad shots, had some sloppy passing, sloppy turnovers. But a lot of that was the Clippers too. You got to give them credit defensively. I thought Pat was great. Landry was great. Landry really took out Steph. And, you know, takeout might be a strong word, but like... I felt Steph's 22 points in the first half. A lot of it was just on in transition and just miscommunication and the Clippers screwing up their, their scheme a bit uh, with him particularly. But it wasn't really Landry. Like I thought Landry stuck with him as best as, as you could reasonably can, you know, and, and compared to the other options the Clippers have, I thought he did as, as good as the Clippers could really defend him. And then the second half, um, you know, I thought he defended him even better and took him out even more. It's just like, you know, my, my brain's fried right now, but just such an incredible comeback. And, you know, again, lose heroics, uh, Trez, his roles, his offensive rebounds, his defensive rebounds. He had some big defensive rebounds, which we know the Clippers have struggled with this season. Uh, Daniil Gallinari being, Daniil was another one who in, in the first half, I thought he was a combination of timid and rushed. You know, he, he wasn't being aggressive. He wasn't trying to get to his spots, but then, when he did try to make moves, he would just rush things. And, you know, he, he had some really bad turnovers, just dribbling the ball off his foot, getting stripped, just didn't look like Danilo, who always plays with a certain type of pace and poise to his game, just, you know, was uncharacteristic of him. Uh, but in that second half, you, you had Shea. I thought Shea played good defense on, on Clay for the most part. Uh, you had Landry, obviously hit the game winning three, which was the biggest shot of the night, the biggest shot of his career but also the defense on Steph and you had Pat and, and Pat, I, I think as much as the other guys helped offensively, Pat really, to me, changed the game with his defense and the fact that they were down 30 points and he was still hounding KD. He was still bothering KD. He was still trying to get in his head. He was still picking up offensive fouls on him. He was still picking up fouls, you know, just fouling KD. And you know, that, that one five second stretch where he got back to back, fouls pushing him and kind of bumping him and then katie finally 
caved in and, and shoved him back and, and then got an offensive foul. Like that's what Pat does. This was peak Pat. Uh, you know, it was an amazing Pat performance. Uh, really, you know, incredible. Like Pat loves this stuff. Like he he lives for hostile road environments. He lives for matchups where he's the underdog. You know, him versus KD. Some people think KD is the best player in the world. I, I think he probably is. Last night was not the best example of that, but I, I think he surpassed LeBron as the best player in the world. Uh, you know, maybe you could throw Giannis in that conversation. James Harden, I, I won't consider just because of his defense. But for me, like, you know, the fact that he's going up against arguably the best player in the world, arguably the best, you know, score in the world, the best one on one player in the world, who's seven feet, you know, Pat's six one, maybe six two with his hair, but you got a foot difference basically with with him and, and KD. Maybe not much of a weight and strength difference but between those two, but you know, the fact that Pat has been able to take him out of his game and he hasn't been doing it one on one. You know, the Clippers have been shading over, doubling, blitzing, helping over. So it's been a collective effort and they've had to be on their rotations and they've had to be very conscious of Clay and Steph on the weak side and making sure those two don't get open. But they've done a great job on KD. Uh, he had nine turnovers, he only took nine shots, I believe. And uh, it was just a, an odd, I mean, and he took more shots because he had 12 free throw attempts, but it, it was just an odd KD game. It, it almost felt like he checked out a bit in the second half. You, you saw his body language. And there was one time when the Clippers stripped him, like Jermichael, and, and I think it was Jermichael and Pat kind of double teamed him and stripped him from behind. And he just kind of sulked and, and walked back and, you know, sauntered back and, and didn't didn't run didn't didn't jog and at that point the game looked out of reach so maybe that was kind of his, his justification for it you know the, the game's kind of over why why you know i'm upset that that just happened why why should i run back it's, it's pointless but that's not a great attitude and you you saw in game one you didn't really see much of that dysfunction and chemistry stuff from the warriors uh and that was partially because they're you know winning for pretty much the entire game but the the second game as this collapse happened i just thought you saw all the fractures within that warriors locker room come to fruition and you know i don't i'm still skeptical of the clippers winning this series i i think again like i I picked it in five i I think i i still if i had to pick what would say five i think the warriors are going to come out in game three and try to embarrass the clippers i think they're going to try to destroy them um, blow them out like I'm talking 34 you know similar to this game but instead of a you know a 30 point blown lead like stretching that to 40 45 like I think the Warriors are going to come out swinging and if the Clippers can withstand that I'm going to be very impressed and and I think that's going to really speak to their ability to potentially win the series or at least stretch it out more but you know now we're talking about a five game series potentially six if they win one of the games in Staples that's about as far as I'd be willing to go uh, I still, again, would lean towards this being a five-game series. I think the Warriors. I mean, and, and that's that's the thing was like the you know we saw what the Warriors locked in was. You know, they had a thirty-one point lead, and I, I think they did collapse. And you do have to give the, the Clippers credit, and you, you do have to you, you got to give them their credit and their due and, and their respect. But at, at the same time, I do think this also said a lot about the Warriors and like you know like if it let's say it was the, like the more plausible way in this series would have been the other way around the Clippers had a 31 point lead and the Warriors came back from it and you know 
that you would almost just chalk up to like a talent disparity. Like, look, they have freaking three all stars, the three current all stars, four all stars, you know, within the last couple of years, like five, I mean, I guess five with Boogie, but now we don't know his status. So it, it's understandable why the Warriors would come back from 31. But for the Clippers to do that, like, the, you know, the, the Warriors had so many chances to seal this game and, and really just like a shot here, a turnover here. You know, it would have been, it still would have been an ugly win and it would have been kind of, you know, embarrassing that they blew that big of a lead and, and had to kind of rally at the end. But really, like the, the Warriors had their chances to seal this game, to, to secure it, and they didn't. And to me, you got to give the Clippers credit, but you also got to think about what this means for the Warriors and, and kind of what their game plan, you know, how they're going to respond. And I think that they're, they're going to come out swinging in game three. And who knows, it might be game four and game five, and, and they just try to end this thing early. But I, I think there's a lot of positive things to take away from the Clippers. I think they have played defense about as well as is you know realistically possible with their personnel. They don't match up great with the Warriors. You know, the, the, the teams that if you look at the teams that have matched up well with the Warriors, it's been the Rockets, the Cavs, the Thunder. Those three teams had multiple guys in that six six to six eight range to throw on. Katie and Steph and Clay and, and Igudala and you know to to beat the Warriors a lot of times you have to go likewise size on the perimeter. Clippers are kind of overcoming that. You know it, it's incredible and I think part part of it is, is Shea's size kind of makes up for Pat's lack of size. Um, you know I think if the, if the Clippers had if Shea was the normal size of a point guard like six one or six two I think the Clippers would be more in trouble. But the fact that Shea is six six he can guard Clay. And they can't, they, you know, they can afford to put Landry on Steph and, and, you know, and Pat's just the whole other animal. The fact that he could guard Katie at that size, but, you know, I think they've matched up well. Uh, I thought that second half was the first time they looked comfortable offensively and, and we'll see if they can carry that momentum over. And, you know, they, they rebounded the ball better. They took care of the ball better. They shot the ball better. They got to the free throw line more like it, it just, seem like everything clicked for them and again I, I don't i don't want to say it's all clippers and i don't want to say it's all warriors i think these things are always more in the middle and the clippers did do a lot of things that that i thought were really positive from the warrior side you know i think they they really got to figure out what to do with with, with trez and lou because they, they've completely obliterated them in, in both games in the pick and roll uh you, you you know the warriors have tried to collapse on it but I just, I, they got to figure that out. And and for the Clippers sake, obviously they don't want them to figure that out. But like, I think that's going to be really the Warriors key adjustment is, is trying to stop Lou and Trez um, and, and taking that more seriously. Not that they didn't necessarily take it seriously, but I think they, they really have keyed in on Gallo. They've really keyed in on Landry and, and tried to take those two out. Uh, they had done a solid job on both until that second half. But I think the the Warriors' next adjustment in, in Game Three is going to be trying to take out Lou and or Trez and really just collapsing, overplaying that uh, pick and roll and enforcing Garrett and Wilson and Jamichael to be shooters. Now, what helped tonight was Jamichael made a couple shots uh, that kind of had to make the you know make the the defense stay honest. That shows how how I'm thinking right now. I can barely talk, but. I just wanted to put a podcast out, uh, you know, recapping this, like after, after the game, what was the best part? Like just seeing the the pure joy on the Clipper staff and, and seeing how happy the players were and doc and, you know, this team, 
um, you know, I, I try to be objective and I, I try to, you know, not be like a, a Homer or, or a Stan or, you know, anything like that. Like, I, you know, what, when the Clippers aren't playing well, I'll call them out. If a player's not playing well, I'll call him out. Um, if Doc makes a mistake or what I deem a mistake, I'll, I'll address it, you know, on Twitter or in an article. So, you know, I've, I've been very public about, I didn't think Avery Bradley was good. I didn't think he should be starting or playing that much. If playing at all, I didn't think, uh, Gort, you know, Gortat was that good. I didn't think he should be starting. So like I I've, I've had my fair share of criticism for, for, for Doc and, and the Clippers this season, but at the same time, like, you know, what they did tonight or last night uh, was incredible. It, it was amazing. It was, you know, that's going to be a win they all remember for the rest of their lives. That's going to be a win I remember. Um, you know, one of the, this, this Vaughn's, this Vaughn's past, uh, you know, for me, the, the best game, I, it was kind of a, a tie for the best game I'd ever covered. It, it was Clipper Spurs game seven when Chris Paul hit that game winning, um, that game winning shot over Tim Duncan just an incredible all-around game that was such a tight game so close throughout the whole game uh the other one was i i was at uh, i had a nosebleed seat i was a you know and at staples center the the nosebleed the nosebleed press box is above the nosebleed so i was actually higher than the nosebleeds um i was at kobe's last game and and that was you know again i know this is a clippers podcast i don't want to upset anybody but uh that was as loud as i've ever heard staples center and that that was just crazy I mean, he took 50 shots, but, uh, you know, seeing that that was as crazy as I've, I've heard Staples Center, you know, I've, I've been to, I'd say for every Laker game I've been to, I've probably been to 10 Clipper games at a minimum, maybe even 15. So I, my experience is more on the Clipper side. And, and I would say that game seven was as loud as I'd heard uh, the Clippers, uh, I want to say, but as loud as I've heard Staples, period, and, and that's been you know concerts and and you know games I've been to like that that the atmosphere for for Kobe's last game was insane. This passes both of those uh, to, to me. Like this was you know again even when heck even when Landry made the shot, I, I was still like all right here comes Steph here comes Clay they're gonna you know get some BS three they're gonna get some foul. You know, they're gonna make an and one or something, and, and the Warriors are gonna win. This is what they do. This is the you know, they screw around, they they blow a lead, and then they break your heart at the last second. And I was like, all right, well, you know, I'm expecting this, like, and it didn't happen. And and you know, and the you know, to me, this is as impressive of a win as as I've ever seen. And it's probably the best comeback in NBA history. The Clippers, while they should be proud and be enjoying it today you know there's no practice today they also they have to be you know cons i don't know if concerns the right word but maybe a little wary of, of a game three hangover you, know, you don't want you know the series isn't over you still got five games left three of which are in staple center potentially but you you know you have to if you're the clippers you do have to win at least one of these two games at, at staples it would probably be better to win game three uh, I mean, how would that be? I, th I think everyone would freak out if the Clippers were up 2-1 on, on the Warriors. But if you have any chance in this series, you know you can't go back to Oracle down 3-1. You're going to lose game five, and then that's going to be it. If you can win one, I thought they'd win game four. Who who knows? We'll, we'll see now. But I think that really the, the Clippers' strategy moving forward, I mean, and of course, you know, strategies win, win a game. Like 
duh. But I, I just think for them, like they cannot let up at all. I, I don't think this is in their DNA. I, I don't think you, you've seen what their comeback wins and, and kind of how they responded. Like this is not a team that's just going to necessarily let up and, and, but they can't get out to these slow starts. That, that's really the thing is, is in both games, they had slow starts in the, in the first game. It never got that out of hand, but the Warriors kind of always kept them at bay. In the second game, it did get out of hand, and the Clippers had you know the craziest rally of all time. At Blue Wire, we don't just partner with any advertiser. We want to make sure we're giving our listeners a good deal on a product. That's exactly why we love doing business with Harry's. Harry's is giving Blue Wire listeners a shaving kit for just $3. Go to harrys.com backslash bluewire and you'll save $10 on a trial set, which includes a five blade razor with a lubricating strip and trimmer blade, a rich lathering shave gel, and a travel blade cover. If you're not familiar with Harry's, it's time you should be. Harry's has fixed shaving by combining a simple, clean design with quality and durable blades at a fair price. The founders were tired of paying for razors that were overpriced and overdesigned. Harry's bought a world-class blade factory in Germany that's been making quality blades for over 95 years. Join the 10 million who've tried Harry's. Claim your trial offer by going to harrys.com backslash blue wire. All of Harry's blades come with a 100% quality guarantee. If you don't love your shave, let them know and they'll give you a full refund. Again, make sure you go to harrys.com backslash blue wire to redeem your razor for $3. I don't think they're going to be able to replicate that. I'm just going to go out on a limb with that. You know, if they do, Mazel Tov, they've continued to defy expectations at every turn. So I guess nothing surprises me at this point anymore. They, they pulled off the most improbable comeback of all time. So I guess you, you can never rule out anything with this team. But uh, I, I think, you know, strategy-wise, you got to limit the turnovers. You, you got, like, you're going to turn the ball over against Golden State with with the pace they play with, with the, their defense and, and you know, just their ability to kind of sometimes speed you up and, and make you play at a faster pace than you want to. But the Clippers have had some really, really bad turnovers. And it's it's like it's almost even better to like force a pass and and get that stolen but like they're having like dribbling off their foot just exposing the ball getting it stripped like just dribbling getting the ball stolen like those are inexcusable turnovers you know not catching passes like you have to you you cannot have those turnovers against especially against this team like there are some teams you could get away. If you're playing the Detroit Pistons in the first round, you could get away with that stuff. If you're playing the Golden State Warriors, you cannot. Your margin for error is razor thin, if not zero. So for the Clippers, you know, cut back on the turnovers. I like the Landry on Steph. I think they stick with that. Pat on KD, I think they stick with that. You, you got to be careful of the back cuts and the offensive rebounds. Uh, I think you got to shoot more threes. I think you got to get Gallo going a little bit more, but keep running Lou and Trez pick and roll. And uh, I think they, they have a solid game plan that they've executed. And it's, it's, you know, it worked for stretches in game one and it worked for almost an entire half in game two that, that won them, that won them game two. So uh, I'm interested to see how game three plays out. I'm interested to see what adjustments uh, the Clippers make, what adjustments the Warriors make. 
again, the playoffs are all about adjustments and like the, the Warriors are going to have their counters and, and Steve Kerr is a really good coach. They, they have not been, you know, they've been unafraid to do drastic counters in the past. Uh, like I think I mentioned this before, but putting Andrew Bogut on, on Tony Allen and just ignore, you know, ignoring Rajon Rondo last, last postseason, you know, and ignoring him to a comical degree, like just basically acting like he was not even a player on the court and the Pelicans had four offensive players. Uh, so the Warriors will do drastic things and they're going to be evaluating the Clippers and determining who who's worth guarding and who's not. And whoever's not worth guarding, they're probably going to ignore them to a ridiculous degree, similar to how the Clippers have played them. And, you know, they've ignored Draymond, they've ignored uh, Boogie. You know, if I doubt he plays. It looks like his season's done. But And, and that's actually, you know... On a personal level, I, I feel bad for the guy. You know, it's it's terrible, and it, it's unfortunate for him and his career, and it's it's a really sad setback. Uh, but you know, in, in the art of war, in in you know the the combat of the playoffs, it's actually worse for the Clippers. Uh, and you know, I, I feel bad saying that, and you know, it 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 sucks to kind of like contextualize it in that way, but. Boogie was really hurting the Warriors more than he was hurting the Clippers. And Kevon Looney has killed the Clippers in these two games. Uh, Andrew Bogut has, has been kind of, he's been okay. He's had, he's had some blocks and rebounds, but uh, he's been, and, you know, he screens and he passes, but he's been a little quiet. And But I think for the, for the Clippers, it's actually bad that Boogie got injured and is going to, you know, because I think the mo- the minutes he was out there, the Clippers were winning and, and the Clippers were playing better. So, like, that, that's kind of a, a bit of a setback for the Clippers, actually, in, in my opinion. But um, I'm interested to see what, what happens, you know, what, what the you know what the Clippers evaluate that they need to adjust, uh, if anything, defensively or, or offensively. But, yeah, I'm... Uh, I promise next podcast I'll have more energy. I'm just very delirious right now, but I wanted to make sure I got this up. Uh, Thank you for listening. If you want to read about how the Clippers came back, kind of blow by blow, with some great quotes. I got some great Sundarius Thornwall quotes in there, some some Landry Shamit quotes. So there's some F-bombs. You should check it out on The Athletic. You can subscribe for one week, free trial. Uh, If you like it, you can stick with it for the price of a cup of coffee. If you don't, you you can cancel after a week. If you'd like to reach out to me on Twitter or Instagram, please follow me at Jovan Buha. That's at J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A. And most importantly, you could subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher. Uh, you could type in Blue Wire or Clip City. And please give five-star reviews, leave wonderful comments. I appreciate you listening. We'll, we'll see what happens you know, ne- next game. Uh, I'm, I'm very intrigued. Very intrigued to see the line, too. The, the Warriors have been crazy favorites the, these first two games. Now let's move back to L.A. after a Clippers win. I'm, I'm interested to see the line. But I will talk to you guys on Friday. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. 
legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.